Good morning. Hey, I mean, it was a little bit lame. I'm, I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, I think my face said it. I said good morning. Everybody's like, it's an okay morning. You know, it's not a great morning. It's not a good morning, I don't guess. Is it a good morning? Yeah, we're alive, right? The Lord has made it absolutely so thankful to be here today. So glad that you guys chose to come, and um, uh, we love you here at the bridge. Uh, you are welcomed here, and uh, I'm just so glad that you guys have decided to make the bridge your church um, because you're making this place a better church just by being here. And, um, and here at the bridge, we want to help people take their next steps, whatever that may be, whether that's making a decision to follow Jesus or if that's getting connected in some type of ministry or uh, baptism or um, you know, volunteering, whatever that might look like, we want to help you take your next steps here at the bridge. We don't feel like, you know, your calling is bigger, or we do feel like your calling is bigger than sitting in a chair Sunday after Sunday. And uh, we want to see you get involved. We want to see you uh, do what God has for you and, um, and just really reach your purpose. And uh, we want to help you do that. So if you are interested in taking your next steps, please get with one of us here on the leadership team. Let us know. Uh, after service, Facebook message, text, whatever you have. If you're interested in getting involved and uh, furthering um, your walk with Jesus, we're excited to help you take whatever the next step that looks like to you. And we can help you with that. So um, today we're going to be jumping in and tackling the last four of the 16 fundamental truths. Um, we started this journey at the very beginning of the year, and uh, we've been going through them methodically. And um, last week we covered number 12. And uh, last week I, um, who here knows that Satan is a liar? Does anybody know this? Is this, any, is this common news? Okay, so this is common news. No sooner than I walked off the stage last week, to the back, did I start to feel like a moron um, and <laughs> feeling very silly and very stupid for sharing my heart and um, immediately felt like all the thing I did up here was make people sad and cry and um, just, you know, feeling down and guilty. And I was like, man, I should have been more encouraging or something, you know. And um, luckily... You here at the bridge are very encouraging and loving, and I received multiple text messages and Facebook messages uh, reporting that um, the, you, you took encouragement from that. And that's what I wanted, ultimately, is I wanted to leave you with encouragement, not depression or sadness or anything in between, but I wanted you to be encouraged that hope is still in play, and as long as you have Jesus, you have hope. So anyway, I get in the car, and I'm telling Albie, I'm like, regardless if people did take encouragement or what, we've got to do something to buck these people up this week. <laughs> like, we've got we to gotta make them happier or, or make people at least try to smile a little bit or something. After last week's sermon, it was a little heavy. Um, so with that being said, we're going to talk about uh, the end of the world. Um, so... so, so uh, 
and I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. So we're going to talk about the end of the world, and uh, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So the last uh, four of the uh, fundamental truths are, as you can see here, 13, 14, 15, and 16, and they all pertain to end times and what's going to be happening. And um, who in here, by raise of hand, has ever been curious about what's going to happen in the end of times? Anybody in here been curious? I mean, I think that if you've been around the church for very long at all, um, you'll hear people talk about the end, about Jesus' second coming. Um, and if you're like me as a child, it would scare me to death. And uh, I would be shaken in my seat, you know, hearing about this. But of course... Uh, you know, that was me, and I wasn't uh, a good kid, <laughs> so I was scared. But, um, so, but I hope I'm going to be able to portray these uh, last four in a way that you'll understand. Um, we'll look at what the fundamental truth is. We'll, just like last week, we'll talk about it. We'll look at a scripture or two from it, and then we'll move on to the next one. I'm hoping I can just knock them out. And then at the end, I have four really quick things that we can be doing as a church to be improving and, uh, and be um, ready for when the end does come. And also, I plan to answer the age-old question, um, are we living in the end times? Are we living in the end times? So we'll get through all that together. The last four of the fundamental truths are, number 13 is the blessed hope. If you're a note-taker, I mean... I like taking notes, but, you know, you don't have to. I'm just saying if you are a note-taker, this is good. I, I, I try to detail my uh, sermons to where you can take notes and, and reference later um, because I am one of those people that I will listen to you and then I will forget everything you've said. Um, so I have to take notes. So <laughs> number 13 is the blessed hope. Number 14 is the millennial reign of Christ. Number 15 is the final judgment. And number 16 is the new heavens and the new earth. So I want to cover all these topics, like I said, and I want to do them relatively quickly. Um, so, and then I want to jump into those last four points that I have for you. And hopefully it doesn't take very long at all and you get to go eat. Because I'm conditioned to eat right after service. Is anybody else conditioned to eat like right after service? Even when I don't get to come to Sunday church at like noon or 12.30, my stomach starts growling. Like, I'm ready to eat. It knows that I was supposed to be getting out of church around that time. I'm supposed to go eat food. So, I'm excited to go eat food. Anyway, the blessed hope, number 13, says this, the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ and their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the church. So, last week, I opened up about my father, I talked about how that was really tough, going through and seeing or not seeing a healing happen that I've been praying for, and that was really hard for me. And so a question that you may have for me is, Dusty, why do you continue to try to be a Christian after seeing that the God that you love and have served didn't do what you asked him to do? Why would you continue to be a Christian? Well, I've asked myself that question too. And a big part of the answer, there's several answers, but a big part of that answer is this blessed hope. Number 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. That's good news. That's good news. That is the blessed hope. So, if, if I've lost my father early, if I've lost my wife, my mother, my sister, my cousin, my grandmother, grandfather, if I've lost someone, I have a hope as a Christian that I will get to see them again on the second coming of Christ. I'll be reunited with them, and that to me is a blessed hope, and that is a shared hope that we have as Christians, and that is a hope that people who are not Christians don't have. They feel the despair. They feel all this. We have a hope that we will see our loved ones again. That's exciting news, and I take encouragement from that. I don't see that as a, oh, no. I see that as, yes, I finally get to see my grandpa again and my grandma, and I get to hang out with them and talk to them, and I get to see my dad again and say, hey, dad, I did it. We made it. You know, like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good thing, and I'm excited about that. We get to see them again. We will be reunited, and we will be with the Lord forever. Amen? That's good news. Is that right? Yes. So, that is our blessed hope. So, but then what? After that, what happens? Jesus comes back, the dead shall rise, the people who are left will be taken up, we will all be reunited with Jesus, and then what happens after that? Well, we go to the 14th fundamental truth, which is the millennial reign of Christ, and that is the second coming includes the rapture of the saints, which is our blessed hope, followed by the visible return of Christ with his saints to reign on earth for 1,000 years. For 1,000 years. Revelation. Pastor Ben, have you ever realized how people say revelations? Whenever they say revelation, revelation. It's kind of like Walmarts or, or Kroger's. Neither of those have an S in them, but man, we'll put it in there, won't we? We'll just, we like to add S's to stuff for some reason. What's that all about? Revelations. I've always said revelations. It wasn't until just this week that I was like, why am I saying revelations? It's not revelations, it's revelation. Weird. That's weird. Anyway, Revelation 20, <laughs> 1 through 4 says this way, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until a thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The millennial reign will bring the salvation of, the, of national Israel and the establishment of universal peace. 
universal peace. Isaiah eleven sixteen and 9 says this way, In that day the wolf and the lamb will li- live together. The leopard will lie down with the, bo- with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. That's good news. That is great news. That's peace. That's peace. Isn't that what we want? If you hear people talking, they want peace. They want everybody to get along. They want peace in our world. Yet, the world rejects the one who would bring peace. It's kind of amazing to me. I know my God loves, and he wants me to love others, and he wants me to serve others, and he wants me to extend an olive branch to people and build a bridge to those folks who are hurting, who are misunderstood, who don't quite get it. I'm supposed to build that bridge, but where's the peace? In this time, Never blame anyone for your life. in the millennial reign of Christ, We will reign for a thousand years without deceit from the devil. And that will be a peaceful time, let me tell you. No more sin. No more little in your ear. After you do something good, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. That person thinks you're stupid. None of that. It'll just be good, peaceful things happening and that's exciting to me I don't know if it's exciting to you but it's exciting to me there will be peace and there will be no more deceit from Satan for a thousand years <sighs> it's like a deep breath and an exhale it's wonderful that's good news the millennial reign of Christ will bring peace because the world will be filled with people who know Jesus that's what brings peace to the world that's what our goal is as a church is to spread Jesus throughout the world so we can have peace here on earth We want that. That's how we get it. More people who know Jesus. That brings us to number 15, the final judgment. There will be a final judgment in which the wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life, together with the devil and his angels, the beast and the false prophet, will be consigned to the everlasting punishment in in the lake with which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the one that would always get me as a kid. Um, (laughs) That was the one that would scare scare me to death. Uh, I don't like that talk of whole lake of fire stuff. When I come to church, I want to hear encouraging things, you know, like Jesus loves me, and uh, and this is a fun, you know, happy, safe place. <laughs> I don't want to hear 
you might get thrown to like a fire. Um, that's kind of scary, right? It's not scary to me anymore. It's not scary anymore. And let me share why. Because I have that number 13. I have that blessed hope. And if you have that blessed hope, number 15 shouldn't scare you. The final judgment shouldn't worry you. It shouldn't bother you a bit if you have that blessed hope. If you have been counted as one of Jesus' beloved, you do not have to worry about this. And that's good news. There's a lot of good news today. Good news. And after that, the new heavens and the new earth, number 16, the new heavens and the new earth. We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from, from out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. And there will be no more sorrow. And there will be no more crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. No more pain, no more tears, no more death. Amen. That's beautiful. I'm excited for a time when I don't have to shed tears. I'm excited for a time when I don't wake up at 3 a.m. because my back hurts. <laughs> it's annoying. Does anybody else have that issue, man? I have one of the softest mattresses in the world. We bought this really awesome nectar mattress. This thing is, first of all, it was a little bit expensive, all right? And, but man, it's super thick. It's just this huge, it's awesome. And for like the first month, I slept great. No more back pain. I was like, this is a revelations. <laughs> All right, you got it. This is a revelation, I said. This is wonderful. And like a month in, now my back hurts again, and I, I don't understand. I just, I'm crooked and messed up. I've, I th my theory, I told my health coach, is that, you know, I started running when I was too fat. You know, like I weighed 286 pounds. You shouldn't be running at 286 pounds probably. I don't know. And um, all that weight constantly <laughs> hitting my lower back, taking that, it's messed me up good, man. So anyway, I can't sleep. I'm excited for not having pain. Anybody else? Not ex I mean, come on. That's going to be a good time not having to feel pain in my body, not having to feel the sting of death of a loved one. I don't have to experience that anymore. And that, my friends, is good news. Amen. No more pain, no more tears, no more death. That is great, great, wonderful news. So are we living in the end times? 
I promised that I would answer that. Are we living in the end times? I'm going to. Um, I'm going to answer that. And are you excited to know if we're living in the end times or not? Anybody excited about that? You excited, Cindy? Cindy's ready. Good. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, if, uh, you know, so we're going to talk about it. And I think that it's weird that, like, every single generation has tried to predict the end times. Um, when I was a kid, I remember Pastor Carl Stanfield down here at Shepherd's Chapel, just right down the road. And, I mean, he would be red in the face, yelling. You know what I mean? Like, today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow may never come. Repent, you know, all these things. The end is near, the end is near. Like constantly, if I counted how many times he said, today is the day of salvation, tomorrow may never come. The end times are coming. The end time is here. Uh, it would be over a thousand. I, it was like, seemed like every single service that was the message. And it scared me to death. And I was like, oh, oh geez, this is weird. And then every single generation, it seems like, since Christ's crucifixion has tried to predict when the end is coming. When it's coming. When is it? We all want to know. Everybody wants to know. You got to guess. Some people think they know exactly when it's going to happen. All these prophecies have to come true. Everything has to line up perfect. But the truth is that even Jesus himself doesn't know when the end is coming. But I'm still going to answer if we're living in the end times or not. And my answer is yes. We are living in our end times. I don't know about the world. I can't speak for the world, but I can speak for myself. Being 31 years old, the life expectancy is about 72 now after COVID. I think it was 76 before COVID. Now after COVID, it's down to 72 years old as the average life expectancy of the U.S. average U.S. citizen. So if that's true, I have about 40, what, 41 years or something like that? 41 years left. And here's something that I know to be true. These first 31 years have went by really, really, really fast. And it seems as I get older, the faster it's going. I don't know. That's not possible, I know, because time is time, and it doesn't slow down or speed up for any man. However, I'm so busy in my life, and I got so much stuff going on that it just feels like I wake up, I go to work, and then the day's done. I'm like, what happened? Now I got to go to sleep and get up and go to work again. Every single day, day after day after day after day, and then before I know it, I'm 31 years old, and I'm like, oh, my back hurts when I wake up. I have to wake up at 3 a.m. Like, where's time going? Here's something else I know to be true. My father passed away at 49 years old. My grandmother passed away at 53. My grandfather passed away at 63. Yikes. <laughs> I don't know that I have really good genes. Maybe this back issue is a different kind of issue. I don't know. Am I living in my end times? Yes, I am absolutely living in my end times. And I'm going to live right now like I'm living in my end times. Friday, we had Albie's third birthday party. And uh, if you don't have more than one birthday party during your birthday, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. 
Um, birthdays can be depressing. Um, but if you take a whole week and just let people celebrate you the whole week, it's not that depressing, really. It's kind of nice. Ask Albie. She'll tell you. She loves it. It's her favorite thing in the world, and I try to make a big deal about it. I think it annoys some people, <laughs> um, but I don't care. And I'm going to continue to do it because I want to make much of my wife. And for those of you who have made much of my wife this week, I thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Um, just to share with you really quickly, there was a year where when we got together that not a single person, not even her family, told her happy birthday. And she went the entire day, and not a single soul said anything to her, sent her a text, nothing. The whole day. And from that day on, I was like, I'm going to make it the biggest deal to where people can do anything but tell her happy birthday. And so that's what we do. We do birthday week, and that's how we roll. So we were having her third birthday party, and we were doing it in our new home. And we were preparing the house. You know how you do when people are coming over, right? you got to clean everything up. you got to make sure all your dirt and your disgusting stuff is gone, and you got to make sure... You know, so Albie spent hours cleaning the house for her own party. I was outside, <coughs> yeah, birthday week. So, you know, she spent time cleaning her own house. And then I was outside trying to get things ready in the yard, you know, trying to make sure everything looked cool and neat and good. And, uh, and then, you know, taking care of everything else. And they came in and helped her. I mean, we spent hours. The house wasn't even dirty. That's a big house, Todd. Sheesh. <coughs> Anyway, we spent hours cleaning this house, and I didn't think it was dirty. But we were preparing for someone to come. We had guests coming over, and silly me, I was like, I'm just going to invite like two or three people. It's not going to be a big deal. And then I told Albie who was coming. She goes, yeah, but do you realize like each person has like four kids? So we had 19 people in our home, kids running everywhere, doing cartwheels, doing handstands. At one point, I walk in. And my nephew and my niece are sliding down the steps, Liam headfirst, Maddie right behind him on her butt, just do, 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 all the way down the steps. <laughs> I was like, first night here, someone's going to die on the steps. We got to do something about the steps. <laughs> Why do kids love stairs so much? I don't know. But we were preparing for these people to come over. And it hit me as we were preparing how much more, knowing that Jesus is coming again, should we prepare for our guests? How much more important is it that we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ? We want people to see our best self, right? We want to see people living in our best way. I want, to see, I want Jesus to see me living in my best light. So I'm going to give you four really quick points, and then we're out of here, okay? Four really quick. If you take notes, you can write these down. All these points are going to come from Psalms 37. And this is a psalm written by David. <clears throat> it's wonderful. But all these points come from that. So what should we be doing while preparing for that second coming of Christ? What should we be doing as a Christian, as humans, as Christians, as being here at the bridge? What should we be doing? Number one is we should be doing good. Do good. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Do good to others. 
extend your love and kindness to other people and befriend faithfulness. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 25, 40. He says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When you do good things for others, you are doing good things for Jesus. That's why we do good. That's why we do good. And it's actually really cool because Jesus made our brain to reward us every time we do something good. Every time you do something good, some chemicals are released in your brain that make you feel really, really, really good about yourself and really good about what you're doing. And it's actually the same chemicals that are released people who are using opioids. And you know how the opioid pandemic is. Or, ep or epidemic, pandemic, whatever it may be. People love opioids, right? Because it releases these chemicals. When you do good things, those same chemicals are released in your brain. Those same chemicals get released. Jesus created your brain to reward you every single time you do good. Do good while we wait for the second coming. Number two is commit everything to God. Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. Commit everything you do. Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you're setting in this church right now, set in this church to the glory of God. If you are helping set up, if you are getting the classrooms ready, if you are sweeping in here before people came in, or if you're praying for the service, if you're worshiping, if you are out there at Little League watching a movie, if you are at a Scream Team event and you're out there at a haunted house, do whatever you are doing to the glory of God. Everything that you do should be done to the glory of God. While we wait on the second coming, commit everything to God. Number three is be still in the presence of God. Be still in the presence of God. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Be still. What does that look like to be still in the presence? I was able to actually have a moment right before I came up here of being still in the presence of God while Leslie was singing so beautifully in that song, at the last song, and I didn't have to play the cajon as much. I got a time to just sit there and just be still. We are commanded several times throughout the Bible, be still and know that I'm God. Be still, be still. And in a world where we are conditioned to go, 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 God says, be still. Just wait a minute. Do you have a minute? Do you have 10 minutes? Sit down, turn yourself on a worship song, get out your Bible, pull up the Psalms, sit and be still for a little while and just soak in the presence of God and watch your day get better. Watch your day improve. Watch your week improve. Take in those times to just soak and be still. You're stressed out enough. You've got enough going on. You've got enough worry in your life. Take a minute. Be still. Worship. Read. And know that He is God. He will be your help in time of need, I promise. Number four, put your hope in God. I believe that we will win. Yeah, I'm wearing the shirt. It says, I believe we will win. I believe that. 
I believe we will win. We're winners. That's, that's a little bit of, uh, you know, ruining the ending for you. Sorry, spoiler alert. We win. That's how it goes. It may seem like things are dark and bleak, but I promise we win. We win. I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. Psalms 37, 34 says, put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. James 5, 8 says, don't give up hope. <laughs> don't give up. Hope is there. Hope is to be had by Christians, by people who love Jesus and who are making much of Jesus and are worshiping and are being still. Hope is there for you. Hope can be attained. And Leslie, if you'll play. So if you're here, if you're here today, and you want hope, you can have it. I promise. You can get it. That's good news. This has been a good news sermon, I think. Even though the end times can seem very bleak and can seem very dark, if you love Jesus, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's exciting. So in this place today, I kind of just want you to be still for a moment. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And just listen to this music, man. I believe Jesus moves through music. I believe it. being still, just ask yourself, am I prepared? Am I preparing for that second coming? Am I ready for that? Are we living in our end times? I believe so. We are living in our end times. I believe so. As much as it scared me as a kid, when Pastor Carl would say it, I'm still going to say it. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Tomorrow truly may never come. We don't know. still in his presence I'm going to place my hope in a God that loves me and loves you and loves our families loves the sinner down the street loves that person you don't like <laughs> and he's opening his arms and extending out to you and saying I'm ready so if you're here today and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've not made a decision to have this hope in your life, wonderful, glorious hope 
No more death, no more tears, no more pain. That is the hope that we have as Christians. We will see our loved ones again. Amen. If you want that, I encourage you to go ahead and lift your hands. Jesus will honor that hand. And we'll say a prayer together. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to come to you. Amen. God sees that hand. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Today is the day. Today is the day. Amen. Amen. If you raised your hand, I want to just first say to you, God bless you. If you raise your hand, I want you to say a prayer like this in your heart. Just say it to Jesus and mean it. Just, Father, I've lived my way long enough. I've lived without hope. I've lived with pain. I've lived with all these different things. And Father, I'm just, I give it all to you. I give you my life and I make you the Lord of my life. It's through your son Jesus' name that I If you said something like that to Jesus today, I have great, great news for you. You now have inherited the hope of entering into heaven. And that is something to be applauded, I believe. So if you would, give me a round of applause for those who made that decision. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. And so I just want to pray over you really quickly. Because if we are Christians in this room, if there are a room filled with Christians here, we need to be doing these four things. And so I want to encourage you to do good, to, to commit everything to God, to be still in His presence at least once a day. Give it your best shot. I promise you, you'll see your life improve. You'll see your day improve. I promise. And then put your hope in God because we win. We win. So I want to pray for you really quickly. Father, thank you for this awesome group of people. God, I thank you that they have committed themselves to you, Father God. And Father, I pray over them, God, I ask that you give them strength to do good. Father, that you would help them to see opportunities to do good and that they would take those and seize those opportunities, God, because as they do unto the least of these, they are doing unto you. Father, help us to commit everything we do to you, whether that's driving to work, making dinner for our families, standing in line at a grocery store, mowing the grass, cleaning the house, the mundane things that we do, God, help us to commit it all to you. It's all for your glory. Help us to be still in your presence. In this world, God, where there are so many things happening, stresses everywhere you look, terrible news on the news stations and the social media is filled with crazy things that we don't need to see or don't want to see, but it's in our face every single day. Help us, God, to be still in your presence. Help us to shut out the world for a little while. Turn on some of your beautiful worship music, God, or get out the Bible and read from your word, Father, and just be still in your presence. Help us, God, 
to put our hope in you. In this day, Father, we have trouble putting hope in anything. And we're conditioned that the only person we can trust is ourself. And it's lonely and it's bleak and it's dark. But God, I can put my hope in you. And I can trust you. And I have you on my side. And you are my best friend. And you are my confidant, Father. And I believe, God, that we win. And so I put my hope in you, Father. Help us all to put our hope in you as you've called us to do. We love you, God. We thank you for our opportunities in life. And we thank you for another day that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.